means that there's hardly any better way uh, to be able to grow in your love for God and your love for people than uh, being in a small group environment where you, uh, you can do that together with a group of people who know you well and you're accountable, you're interacting in each other's lives as you study God's word together. So we want to do everything we can to help you plug into a small group and, you know, uh, uh, we've done a connection event on Sundays and uh, recently, and we were going to do that today, but uh, as it turns out, it looks like better to do it this afternoon. So that's what we're doing at 2 o'clock, and it's, uh, it's down at that end of the building, uh, what's called the hub, and you would come around, park on the east side, and come in the building where there's that, that overhang uh, that um, leads you into the doors, into the right into the, where the hub is. So I uh, really encourage you, take advantage of this opportunity to uh, find yourself a group that, that would work for you. You just, you, you won't regret doing it. Um, God's really been um, using our small groups in a big way and we just want to keep growing uh, in the number of groups that we have because of that. Well, last Sunday I began this series on Abraham's journey by emphasizing the one thing that's most important for us to learn from his, his life. And, and I, I'm convinced that if Abraham was up here with me today, it's what he would tell us, okay? He'd say it was the call of God that made him the man that he was. It was God taking the initiative. It was God graciously making that first move into his life. And I think, I, you know, I think Abraham would say that to us with a great deal of passion and conviction. It's because of that that it, it's, you know, that's why he ended up being the man that he was. And that is so important for us to know as we begin this series. That's like the thing that just keep front and center in your brain, in your mind, as, as we travel through these, these uh, starting today, you know, again today and the next six weeks as as we look, look at this, and along with this, to know that the same thing is true for each one of us. It's, it's God's call. It's God taking the initiative in your life and my life. It's God graciously making the first move into our life. God calling us to follow him that makes it possible for each one of us, first of all, to even have a relationship with God. There, there's, I mean, there would be no way that that would happen if it weren't for God God making the first move. And, and it's, you know, in the rest of our life, it's what defines us. It's, it's what shapes us. And, 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 and do not undersell yourself, okay, with this whole deal. Because it's what makes it possible for you and I to make a big difference in the world in which we live. I mean, do not for one minute undersell the possibility of what God can do in and through your life. And it all comes down to the fact that it's a God deal. It's God. It's God calling each one of us. Now, there were two things that we learned about God's call last Sunday. We, we learned how absolutely gracious it is, and we learned that it's life-transforming. And it's life-transforming because, first of all, it, it changes our, our will. Like, like, like Abraham, I'm, I, I'm no longer living according to my will, but, but according to God's will. And like Abraham, it's living with, with a mission. I'm, I'm living to bring God's blessing to this world in which I live. In. And so are you if, you, if you are a follower of Christ. And, and so we don't miss it, okay? I don't want us to misunderstand this. and you know, Not understand what we're talking about. We're talking about 
the blessing, the blessing is all about Jesus Christ. That goes all the way back to Abraham. If you remember last Sunday in chapter 12 and verse 3, God made this promise to Abraham. He said, all people on earth will be blessed through you. And what God was talking about there was that the blessing would come ultimately through God's, through his son Jesus Christ and, and his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. And, and for Abraham, the promise was that, that God's son would ultimately be born through one of Abraham's descendants, okay? So that, that's the blessing we're talking about. And as followers of Christ, you and I, Share in Abraham's mission to bless this world. And we do it, first of all, by, by living how Christ lived. Living the life of Christ. And secondly, by grabbing every opportunity God gives us to tell others, you know, the wonderful message of God's love. I mean, there's no better thing than people can hear. is that God loves them. God loves them through his son, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, and what we're going to see today... And for the, the remaining six Sundays that we're in this series is how Abraham did this. How, uh, we're going we're gonna to see how Abraham lived on the basis of God's call on his life. And the thing you've got to understand, it wasn't just future for Abraham. It was even during his lifetime, during the years he lived on this earth. And we're going to see that today. Wayne Cordero, uh, lead pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship, a church in Honolulu, Hana, well, now I'm not going to say it right, Hawaii, all right? Uh, uh, which, by the way, is a place like where all pastors wish God had called them. Uh, but anyway, but with you, of course, you know, we all go to Hawaii together. Uh, this time of the year, and then we maybe come back here in the summer. But uh, he, 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 wrote a, he wrote a really good book on how to study the Bible. And it's one I, uh, if, if you've never read it, man, I highly recommend it, especially at the beginning of a year like this. He titled this book, The Divine Mentor, because it, it, the, it, the Bible points us to the greatest mentor any one of us could have, and that's Jesus Christ. But it's also true that there's a whole lot of other mentors in the Bible that become great examples for us to follow, uh, you know, how, 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 to, how to live the life that Jesus Christ lived. And Abraham is one of those mentors. He's a great mentor to have because he's a, he's a model for us of what it means to follow Christ. And, it, and this is true. Because he lived on the basis of God's call in, on his life. That is, for, 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 for he himself to be God's instrument of blessing to this world. And see, the thing about this is that God's call determined what was most important to him. What mattered and what didn't matter. Uh, it guided him in the decisions and choices that he made and what he did and what he didn't do. We could say that it was Abraham's True north, true north. Not, those are, that's what you want to remember today, okay? Keep that in front of yourself as you leave here. True north, true north. I don't know if you've heard that term before, but it's often used in the, 
in the business world. In fact, there was a book written a number of years ago, and the title of the book was True North, and it was about this whole deal. But really, you can take it, you can apply it to every single aspect of, of, of your life. And you see, when you have your True North clearly identified, you know what your life is all about. You, you know what you're doing, and you know why you do it. Why you're doing it. Yeah, you have a very clear sense of, of direction for, for your life. And, and, and in, in your spiritual life, my spiritual life, true north is the highest place that you and I can journey toward. It's, it's maxing out our potential to be like Jesus Christ. Okay, just maxing it out. And it's taking absolutely every opportunity that God gives us to tell others the message of God's love through Jesus Christ. That, that's our true north. And it should guide us in every decision and every choice that we make and in everything that we do in, in our life. I mean, it's so important for us to have this, okay? To know your true north and to live by it because you know why? It, it makes all the difference for us to come to the end of our life knowing that we finished our journey well. And the way that happens is if you and I live by what should be our true north. Okay? Now, I want to put this up on the screen. Um, I, you know, what I'm going to say here, because it's so important, I don't want us to miss it, okay? So here's it. And it's in your bulletin, so you, you can't miss it. Abraham's true north was the call of God on his life. God's call to be a blessing to this world. It determined what was most important to him, what mattered and what didn't matter. And it guided the decisions and choices he made and what he did and didn't do. That, that's the big statement. It goes right along with true north. All right? Now, Today, we're going to see the first example, example of this in the 13th chapter of Genesis. But before we do, I, you know, I, I thought about this. I, I think it would be good to first say something to any one of us here today uh, who might be thinking this right now. Okay? You might almost be having a conversation, conversation with me where you'd be saying, well, you know what, Steve? I've blown it too much already. I blew it big time last year. I've all, I mean, we're only, Steve, I'm only three weeks into this year, and I've al already blown it again. Steve, I've failed too, too much for God to work through my life to be a blessing to anybody. Steve, this just can't, can't happen to me. And, and if that's what you're thinking, right, I want you to know right up front that, and well, what I want to do is I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with something that Abraham did that was about as stupid a thing that anybody could possibly do. And definitely, it was a huge failure on his part to live out God's call in his life. I, 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 want, I want us all to see this, but better than this, because I think it's even more encouraging, I'd like you to see how Abraham got back on track with the journey of faith that God called him to. See, I want us to see this up front. You know why? 
Because sometimes, if you're so down on yourself, the last thing that you really want to hear is another sermon that challenges you. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you just get so down that you can hardly listen to anything. So I want to do this for that reason, but I'm also guessing that Abraham's failure might be the elephant in the room here today, okay? And, and it's always better to deal with the elephant first, right? Right? Good. I Talk back, you know. All right. So what am I talking about? Well, you might have heard me preach last Sunday, and I preached from the first nine verses of chapter 12, and, and you went home and, and you said, you know what, I'm just kind of curious what happens in the rest of the chapter. So you read, you read the rest of chapter 12, and, and now you're saying to yourself, hey, Steve, hey, Steve, aren't you going to tell us what Abraham did in the second half of chapter 12? I mean, I'm not, I'm not so sure I even want to listen to what you have to say if you don't tell us everything about Abraham. I mean, you're here telling us that Abraham's a great mentor to follow. I know what he did in the second half of chapter 12. That, that wasn't too great. So I think it's good. We just deal with the elephant. But more important than that, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that, you know, uh, if you're down on yourself today or if you're down at some point in the future, you're discouraged, I want you to have Abraham to remember, okay? And all I'm going to do is read the scripture. I don't really have to say a lot to explain it. It's pretty obvious. Even Pharaoh, who was as godless as anybody could be because he thought he was God, uh, knew it was stupid what Abraham did and very wrong what he did so let's look at this chapter 12 verse verse 10 let's just get this out right away okay it says now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe now you know you know what you trace all the way back to the rest of you know go back up to verse 1 of chapter 12 and read down I don't find anywhere God saying to Abraham Abraham I want you to go to Canaan but you know what Abraham if there's a famine or if something else happens and you want to you want to leave go ahead and leave that's that's okay I don't find that anywhere in here did anybody find that I I didn't find that okay but he does. That's exactly what Abraham did. He, a famine comes and he goes south and it all goes south. If you, if you know what I mean. Okay? Look, look at this, verse 11. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Aren't he romantic? I mean, love that guy? He's like, Sarah, you are, you're just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. verse 12. Yeah, he should have just stopped right there. You know? You know? And so verse 12. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And, and then they'll kill me, but we'll let, let you live. Say you are my sister, Sarah. So I, I, I'll be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Boy, don't you think Sarah just, oh, thank you, Abraham. You make me feel so good all the time. And No, not, not much. Not so much. Verse 14. When Abraham came to Egypt, and he's right, the Egyptians saw that she was very, a very beautiful woman. I mean, she must, I mean, she must have 
been a knockout, okay? And, and, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace, and he treated Abram well for her sake. That's just almost humorous. Abram acquired sheep and cattle and male and female donkeys and men servants and maid servants and camels. So he's just like, he's getting all this stuff, you know, while Sarah's not having a good time. Verse 17, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. And so Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that, I, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way. I mean, they sent him packing with his wife and everything he had. What we see here is a complete collapse. Okay? Complete. Yeah? Uh, completely, uh, Abraham completely failing to live up to God's call in his life. I mean, totally fails to trust God. He didn't trust God back in Canaan. When a famine came, he left. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't trust God when he was in Egypt to save his own skin. He, like, gives up his wife to, to Pharaoh. I mean, this is like a total disaster on his life. And so any one of us would be going like, well, Steve, are we talking about the same guy here when you said Abraham would be a great mentor to follow? And I'd say, well, not there. Okay. But what he does next that's what makes him a mentor, to follow. See, he goes back north to where he went wrong and ended up going south. He, you could say he goes back to ground zero. He, he goes back to the very spot he went astray, and he does this because he's repenting. He, he's starting over. He, he deliberately heads back to the last spot he obeyed God. I, mean, I love this. He's, he's picking up where he left off in his journey of faith. I mean, he went back north to, to what's true north for him. God's call on his life to be a blessing to this world. That's just, man, that's like, that's, that's, that's something to follow. That's a great example, okay? You get off track, get back on track. By the way, any guesses on what gave Abraham the confidence to go back? It was the grace of God. It was the absolute grace of God. And I am, I am so glad that I can say to every single one of us today, and, and if you're in that situation right now, and you're just, you've gone south, and life has gone south for you, and you haven't been on that journey the way God wants you to do it, and you're going like, man, can I go back to God? Can I go back to square one? Can I start over again? And I, I am so glad I can tell you, absolutely you can. God's grace never stops. Never, never never stops. Now, I love how chapter 13 begins. Okay, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. Okay, let me, can I just say it again? You cannot possibly do something that is too bad for God to forgive you. Okay? You cannot have a life that's gone too far south where God can't take you back north again. 
And just, boy, I'm so thankful for that. Verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and, and everything he had, and Lot went with him, and Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. And from the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and, and this is what I love, and where he had first built an altar, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Wow. Yeah. You see, Abram's back to where God called him to be. He's in Canaan. And he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing. He's calling on God. He's trusting God again. He's, he's back on track with the journey that God called him to. And, and, and you know what? And it's here as he's following his, his true north. It's here that we see him take that first step of success in doing that. Which brings us to verse 5, okay? It says, Now Lot was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And, and, and you know, I want to make sure we're all on the same point here of understanding this. We might, you might be wondering, well, who is Lot? You know, who's Lot? Well, he's Abraham's nephew. Uh, Lot's dad died, and Abraham is his only family that's left. And so he decides to go with Abraham when Abraham left Haran and journeyed to Canaan. But you know what? It doesn't take long into reading chapter 13 before you get the impression that Lot's along for the ride. You really see this in chapter 14. Lot's not on board with Abraham and God's call in Abraham's life, but he's, I, think he, I think he's thinking to himself that Abraham's a good guy to hitch on to, at least for, for as long that he doesn't need him anymore. And evidently, that didn't take too long, because look at this in verse 6 we read, But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And, and quarreling arose between Abraham, Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. And, 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 and so you read this and you discover that both men are doing very well financially. And, and one of the things that you notice is that when no, nomadic people get wealthy, it, it's not their bank accounts that get bigger. Okay, they, what happens is that they get more and, and more livestock, and, and with more livestock come more hired people to care for them, which really is a good problem to have, but it was a problem nevertheless. As Abraham and Lot became increasingly wealthy, as their herds grew, they came to that place where, where the land couldn't support them anymore. If they stayed together, they, they both knew they hadn't maxed out their potential to get even more wealthy, but they, but they also knew that they meant that they could no longer uh, uh, graze and keep their herds in the same place. Okay? It's here that we see how Abraham's true north guides him in what to do 
when he's faced with this problem between himself and Lot. And you know what he did? He gave, he gave Lot first choice on where to go. Now remember Abraham's true north, everybody? It's the call of God on his life. And, okay? It's God's call to be a blessing to the world. And what it did was it determined what was most important to him, what mattered and what didn't matter. It guided him in all the decisions and choices that he made for his life, what he did and what he didn't do. And it was guiding him right now in this situation with Lot. So because he knew his true north, when faced with this problem that they had, he, he knows what matters. And he's trusting God, and his hands are absolutely open. There, there's nothing in him that's threatened. There's nothing that makes him take control. And, and so he's free to open his hands and let Lot choose first. Which brings us to verse 8. We read this. So Abram said to Lot, and this is, man, this is a wonderful Wonderful thing he said. He said, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we're brothers. We're family. And he said, it's not the whole land before you. He said, let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zoar. And then you notice in parentheses it says, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 11, so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east and the two men parted company. If you... Uh, if, if, you went to the place where Abraham and Lot stood when this choice was made, somewhere between Bethel and Ai, you discovered that you could actually look right down and see for at least 20 miles, okay, where the land drops down to 3,000, drops down 3,000 feet to the, to the plain where the Jordan River runs into the Dead Sea, okay, all right? What we now know is the Dead Sea. So you'd see something like that, okay? This was an area that was very fertile before God destroyed the city of Sodom, okay? Before the Dead Sea became the Dead Sea, all right? And so it's not a surprise when, when Abraham gave Lot the choice when he said, you go right, I'll go left, you go left, I'll go right. Lot said, I'll go there. That's where I'm going to go. That looks really good. Now, what struck me as I looked at this in verse 11, I, I, I think it actually says something. It, it, it's the first part of verse 11. It got my attention. It said, Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan. He's, in, in other words, he wanted the whole deal. He, he wanted everything, okay? He, didn't, he was going to leave any of that for Abraham. And so Abraham, I mean, he let him have it, which makes him, you know, what he did all that more remarkable. But you know what, what really makes it remarkable? Abraham doing this with Lot. These two men lived in an absolutely patriarchal society 
where, where age and, and, and seniority was everything, position was everything. And Abraham was a lot older than Lot. He was the head of the family. He was the uncle. Lot was just the nephew. And so Abraham had every right to take what he wanted for himself. Nobody expected him to do anything else, and nobody would have thought any worse of him if he did it. But Abraham didn't do that. He gave Lot first choice, and he did because his true north guided him. Now, I, I, I spent some time thinking about this. And it, it seems to me that Abraham had three things and he couldn't keep them all. Okay? He had a relationship to Lot, family. He had a relationship to God. And he had a relationship to his wealth and the potential of becoming even more wealthy. And he realizes, you know what? I can't keep them all. He had three options, I think, from which... To choose. Option one, take Lot with him, move out of Canaan and, and to a place that's able to support both of them. And if, if, if with his option, he would keep his relationship with Lot and he would keep his relationship with his wealth, but you know what? He'd lose his relationship with God. Option number two, Abraham says, Lot, I'm the big guy here. You're the little guy. You're the you're only the nephew. Uh, you're the kid. I'm taking, I'm going to take the land that I want for myself in, the, in Canaan that's going to, you know, that's going to make me rich. And lot, you can have what's left over. Now, with that option, he probably would have kept his relationship with God. He definitely would have kept his relationship with his wealth, but he would have lost his relationship with Lot. Option number three is to do what he did. Stay on course with his true north, trust God to provide, and give Lot first choice. I mean, here, so here you got it. You got wealth, you got family, and you've got God, and Abraham makes his choice, and wealth comes third. First of all, it's God. He puts God first, he puts family second, and he puts wealth third. I mean, that's a lot of wisdom, wouldn't you say? A lot of wisdom. You see, Abraham had the wisdom to make that choice because he was following his true north. He was following God's call in his life to be a blessing to this world, beginning with Lot. Beginning with Lot. You see, um, he's doing the right thing by God. He's doing the right thing by his family, and he's leaving everything else up to God, including his wealth, and any opportunity he might have to prosper more. And so, you know, you, you, you look at that and you go, man, I am so impressed with Abraham. How was he able to be so wise and to do what's right? How did he do that? You know, you know what I think? Not only did Abraham look north, Literally, he looked up, looked up. Here, I love this. Here's, here's what the author of, he, of, of uh, a book in the New Testament, book of Hebrews, this is what he said about this in Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know if you ever heard this before. Love it. Chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he'd later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know 
where he was going. We saw that last Sunday. And then it says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. And then look at this statement in verse, verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. See, that's what we can't miss, everybody. It makes all the difference on how you and I live life. See, Abraham knew he had something to build his life on that is infinitely greater than anything he could get for himself in Canaan. He knew, Abraham knew that God has a place that's reserved for him in heaven. Abraham built this altar in Bethel to worship God. And I'm convinced he built it believing that the day would come when he would be in the eternal city of Jerusalem, a city that is designed and built by God, and there he'd worship God forever. See, that's why his hands were so open. That's why he didn't feel any need to take control and get what he wanted for himself. I mean, he lived in the truth of what he had in Jesus Christ. And what he had in Christ was amazing. It's amazing. So I've got two questions for you today that you can answer for yourself. First question is this. What is your spiritual foundation? And what is it? What are you building your life on? What is it that is giving you a sense of worth and purpose, you know? What, what is it that's giving you security and confidence as you look into the future? What, are, what foundation are you building your life on? And the second question is, well, what's your true north? What's more important to you than anything else? What, what you know, what is it that matters to you and doesn't matter to you? What is it that you, you're allowing to guide you in the decisions and choices that you make in your life and what you do and don't do? Don't do I mean, what is your true north? See, these are life-defining questions. Life-defining. Because how you answer each one of those questions will make all the difference on how well you finish at the end of your life journey. And not only the end, but five years from now, and 10 years from now, and 15 years from now. How you finish every single year. Now, here's what adds to the coolness of this whole deal for Abraham. I just gotta, I gotta show you this. Let's see, at the end of chapter 13, Abraham is still standing where Lot gave, where he gave Lot the choice. Lot's gone, he left him, and Abraham's alone. And we read this beginning at verse 14. I just, it's, it's just great. Um, it said, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes. From where you are. Look north and south, east and west, left and right, left and right, every direction, all around you. All the land you see, I'm going to give it to you. And your offspring, not just for a little while, forever. 
And I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. He said, go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I'm going to give it to you. God's looking way into the future. And he's including all of, that, all of us in what he sees. All of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We're, we're the descendants of Abraham in the spiritual sense of the word. And, and, and God's looking to the day when, when Jesus Christ, God's son, is ruling this whole earth from, from Jerusalem. And so Abraham does this. It says, so Abraham moved his tents and he went to live near the great tree Trees of Mamre at Hebron. And what did he do? Where he built an altar to the Lord. Man, I bet he did. You know, Abraham trusted God. He focused on his true north, the call of God on his life. He, and you know what? He didn't lose it. He didn't lose a thing. He didn't lose a thing. The very opposite. He gained everything that is worth gaining. And you know what, everybody? Do not undersell yourself. Not for one minute. The, what was true for Abraham can be every bit as true for you. I just go like, wow. You know, there's hardly anything better than hearing a fellow believer's story. And I'm excited to do that throughout this series, and, um, and hopefully we can continue doing it into the future. And this morning, I've asked uh, Wade Mayfield to join me and, 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 and tell us a bit about his own journey. And Wade and his wife, Danae, and their two children, Samantha and Jake, have been a part of Brookside for about six, seven yep, years. Right. And... And uh, so uh, Wade sent me a, a, an email a few weeks ago, and I discovered, Wade, you can relate to Abraham, right? I mean, yeah. you, you've had your own going south before going north experience, yep. your own uh, where, where God brought you to that place where you open your hands. Right. So, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, back in uh, June of 1999, uh, uh, my family and I, uh, my wife Danae and, and Samantha and I, lived in Montana, and while we were there, uh, we adopted our son, Jake. Um, after we adopted Jake, uh, it was our desire uh, to move back to the Midwest and be closer to grandparents and other family. So as I was kind of sharing with Steve that in typical Wade fashion, I crafted my plan. Here's how this is going to work. Here's how this is going to work. Here's the timeline of this and this. And the more I pressed it, the more I did, the less any of these things were coming, uh, coming to bear. So uh, evidently I'm a slow learner, so it was, uh, it was a year or so later in uh, uh, almost late uh, 2000, uh, I was telling Steve I was out on a run, a, a morning run, and, and finally God just broke, it broke me. And uh, I'll never forget this, I came around the corner and it just kind of hit me and I just went, I raised my hands up in there when I was running, and I just said, all right, uncle, uncle. I give. <laughs> if, uh, if you want me here, I'll stay here. If you want me to move, we'll move. But whatever it is, I'm done pressing my agenda. Where I land, I know I'm going to be where, uh, where you would have me. So what was interesting was, 
then all of a sudden the plan started to work. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, uh, our house, we'd had it on the market for over a year and uh, never even had a look. It sold within a week in the, uh, uh, for asking price uh, at that. And then uh, the one stipulation was is the people wanted to take possession in two weeks. So my wife had the house packed probably in two days. And <laughs> we were ready, ready to, go. to go. She was ready to go. So, yeah, evidently we were all waiting on me <laughs> at this point. Um, so we load up and uh, we head to Omaha. Uh, had no job, had no prospect for a job. I had a wife and two kids. Um, got to Omaha. And uh, this is really where it starts to also get interesting. Um, have the timing of everything. Uh, when we got here, uh, my wife and I, we were going through the, the newspaper, obviously looking for me employment. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of a big deal. And uh, we, uh, she came across a, uh, uh, an ad in the, in the paper for uh, an apprentice for a company uh, called Thermal Services, uh, heating and air conditioning. And she said, I know you don't have any experience, but you ought to, you ought, you ought to try that. You ought, you ought to go there and do that and, uh, and apply. So uh, uh, went there and found out that there were two openings and there were about 200 applicants. And I thought, boy, without any experience in this, uh, my, the likelihood is, 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 not, is not probably going to happen. Uh, I ended up getting one of the two jobs. And, uh, and after I got hired, what I had found out was is that that was the only time in the 30-plus year history of the company that they had ever run an ad for apprentices uh, in the fall. And it was only in the paper for that one weekend uh, when we got there. So I just, I just love that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, now, listen, I've known Wade for a while. I know this guy loves Christ. He's committed to Christ, following him. Well, Wade hasn't mentioned today is that the end of four years, he was asked to become a VP of Thermal Services. And then in 2006, he was offered the position of president of Thermal Services, which he accepted and is today. Uh, which, I mean, I'd say that's a pretty cool God deal, you know? Yeah, you know, praise God for that. Yeah. Now, then there's the deal about the gloves, right. which you yeah. told me in your email, I love it. Tell everybody about yeah. the gloves. So uh, uh, starting over with a, as an apprentice, so the one thing you need to know about an apprentice is your days are long and your pay is, is low. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the Kind of do what it. nobody else wants to do. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And I uh, had a wife and two kids at home, and uh, so obviously money was, uh, w was tight. Um, it was uh, in January, and I was working outside on a, on a site, and... Uh, I had a, it was on a Friday, and, and the gloves that I had were an old pair of uh, jersey gloves, and uh, they were just worn out, and there were holes in them, and where they were coming off the fingers, and I just remember how cold my hands were, Yeah. and uh, I didn't have the money to buy gloves, and I uh, remember I just had a, uh, had a quick prayer in my mind. I said, Lord, if there's just some possible way you could bring me a pair of leather insulated gloves, I would just be, you know, eternally grateful at this point. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I ended my day, went home, thawed my fingers out, and uh, our, my uh, wife's parents, my in-laws, came for a visit. Uh, so they, that evening. That evening. File into the house, and uh, so my father-in-law goes, ah, oh, just a minute, I almost forgot something. Goes back out to the car, comes back in. And he said, since I'm retired, I don't need these anymore. He had a whole pack of leather insulated gloves <laughs> and just threw them over to me. And he said, can you use them? And I said, yeah, yeah actually, yeah, I can use yeah. those. So, um, so the first pair of those gloves uh, that, I, that I used, I, uh, 
I still have those, and uh, I have them on my uh, office wall. And what I told Steve was, uh, it's kind of interesting that they're on my north wall. Yeah, they're on my the office. north wall. I love that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but but it's, uh, it's definitely has been a true north to me to always remember that it doesn't matter once you commit to God that, that, uh, that God has always provided uh, for, you. You know, for you. And it's also a great reminder uh, for me as uh, uh, being in a leadership position to remember that I have people that are counting on me to make sure that I'm a good steward of that for them as well. Yeah. So Care for them, love for them. them. Yep. You know, and I mean, you see... That place is a place for you to be God's blessing. Oh, absolutely. For people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. So. That's what it's all about, everybody, right? Yeah. Praise God. Hey. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Steve. Thank you, all right. Hey. Okay, let's, uh, let's stand for prayer, and then Rob's going to, and the team's going to come and lead us in worship and an exact right song for today, okay? So let's pray. Father, um, how amazing it is. I mean, I mean that so sincerely. That you have reached into each one of our lives. You took the initiative. You made the first move. And you call us to yourself. And you just open up our blind eyes to understand the spiritual truth about ourselves and about you. God, we thank you for that. Because there's nothing in us that deserves any of that. And we thank you for what it can mean in our life now and forever. And God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just... just just, just dig deep into our heart and our mind that how important it is for us to follow that true north, that true north, your, your call on us to be a blessing to the world in which we live, Father, in every part of that world, to do it for your glory and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for the good of so many other people. Amen. Amen. Hey.